speaking of affirmative action and who voted against it, your uncle. Not my uncle. Clarence Thomas, Uncle Ruckus. Coon. Coon. Self-hating. Um, despicable. Clarence Thomas was very vocal about his stance against affirmative action, even though he strongly benefited from all of the assistance sure did. that he received over the past 50, 60 years. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yours Truly Black Coffee. Before we begin today, please like, share, subscribe, as well as comment on our content, or like the other YouTubers say, smash that like button um, as we continue this journey that we call season two of Black Coffee. Well, I am here with the Village Queen. Stop playing Village with me. Village Queen, how you doing, Jane? Stop playing What's with up? me. What's up? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's hotter than the devil's lies outside. I'm trying to do my best to stay cool. And and do my best to enjoy this summer, what I got left of it. Mm. Yeah, it is hot outside. Matter of fact, I think it was, what, 108 degrees, at least up here in Sacramento. Ooh. Yeah, so um, it's been hot. But, you know, it's July 4th, so trying to hit up some barbecues, make my rounds around Oh, town, we know. You my, can eat. Yeah, yeah, get my food and sneak out and go home. Um. We have a lot of hot topics for y'all today to discuss. But before we dive in today, um, we do want to announce the recent passing of Dr. Martin Luther King's elder sister, Miss Christine King Ferris. Uh, she passed away at 95 last Thursday. And I believe she was a professor and teacher at Spelman College down in Atlanta. And so condolences to her family. You know, um, Miss Christine, she saw a lot of tragedy in her life, Jane. She not only experienced the assassination of her brother, Dr. King, but her other brother drowned in a pool of the year after. And then um, she also experienced the assassination of her own mother about six or seven years later. So um, the King family has experienced a lot of tragedy, uh, but condolences to uh, their family. And you know what? I do want to make a point here, Jane. This was Dr. King's elder sister, not younger sister, not niece. This was his elder sister. I say that a lot. Right. And she just passed. That goes to show for everybody who thinks the civil rights era and the movement was so long ago. Honestly, we're not all that far removed. But just to you add on that, you got people her age making laws that's affecting Ooh. us. Mm. 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 <laughs> You're right, Jane. Yeah, there are people around her age or a little bit younger making laws for us until they expire. And that actually brings me to, um, you know, I have a question for you, Jane. Mm -hmm. 
does America, because it's, it's July 4th, does America deserve a birthday party this year? Easy answer to that question. A big H-E-L-L-L, no. <laughs> uh, Why is that? We're not all free. They're out here taking laws. We already took a, you already took rights for women to make a decision of their bodies. Now you took you make the the gap for brown and black kids to enter college even farther behind, getting rid of front of action. Now you could be a, a bigot and tell people based on your uh, sexual preference that I don't have to serve you. So no, no, mm-hmm. we t- you're taking rights left and right. Ooh, well, um, <laughs> Jane is starting off with a lot of energy, a lot of fire. Hey on this episode well um the supreme court y'all has been tripping lately for real uh let's start off with student loans so last week the supreme court ruled six to three that biden's student loan forgiveness program um is unlawful because it circumvented congress therefore it was unconstitutional mm-hmm. now this plan, as we first heard about it, was it last year, would have canceled up to $20,000 in student loan debt uh, for eligible borrowers, and the estimated cost would have been $400 billion. And so um, this is a huge blow to many Americans. I believe what well, over 45 million Americans were eligible for student loan forgiveness. And, um, yeah, this affects a lot of people, especially in an economy where, you know, inflation is at the highest we've seen in years. So I'm going to stop right here. Jane, what are your initial thoughts on this? There are a lot of people who are very unhappy on this, who are affected by this. So what do you, what do you have to say? I want to say we, are, we should be surprised. I mean, we shouldn't be that surprised that the decision came down like this. I feel like this has been going... It's been prolonged for so long. It was just more of like, we were just waiting for the waiting game and we got our answer. Uh, it hurts because we know we have men and women who are sitting in Congress who got their loans paid off mm. and also took PPP loans and got paid off. But the little people who are just acting for a little crumb to the pie, you shut that down. It's frustrating. It's at the point we're tired. We're tired of talking and talking, talking, don't see nothing put in place. All I got to say is, Joe Biden, you have made this one of your key points of you getting elected. If you're not doing nothing, I don't see how your re-election is going to go well, because this is something that you really pawn on to the young folks to get these votes, and we're seeing nothing in return. Mm. Ooh, Jane, you, you said a mouthful there. Um, you're right. This is Student loan forgiveness was a huge point in the 2020 election. I did hear that he has a plan to circumvent this ruling to get student loan forgiveness going. We'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But I want to I want to step back to um, the irony that you brought up about how certain congressmen and women who were so against providing student loan forgiveness or student aid forgiveness, right, are the same ones who received, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in PPP loans, millions of dollars in loans to keep their businesses afloat. Matter of fact, Mitch McConnell, because yep. right after this ruling, Mitch McConnell said that student loan social, this student loan socialism plan 
would be a quote unquote raw deal for hardworking taxpayers. But Mitch McConnell's family, they have a shipping company, I believe ran by his wife's family, and they received between $350,000 and $1.1 million in PPP loans, but they received this in 2020. So what we're seeing here in America is the conservative take back and the greed of capitalism. The fact that you can receive hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep your profitable businesses afloat, but the everyday American who can't afford groceries, who if you don't make a certain income, you can't qualify for a home. Rent is expensive. You can't even invest in creating your own businesses because your money is tied to elsewhere. But these people can't get a piece of the pie. $20,000. It's ridiculous. And mind you, I know a lot of people were saying that ten dollars to $20,000 is not a lot compared to some people's um, student loan debt level. And, and, and in some cases, that's a, fair, uh, that's a fair statement. However, it does alleviate just a little bit mm-hmm. of the pockets of people paying student loans. Well, they don't care about us. They don't. I feel like it, what I see with politicians now, they're only looking out for themselves. What's their best interest is themselves. And it sucks because every year with election season coming out, this is the most important election every year. This is the most important. At this point, you can't, how every time you going to say that people are going to believe it? Because mm-hmm. no matter who you put in, at certain people's eyes, it's like they don't only doing it for themselves. So you, that's why you see people like, man, I don't care to vote because we're not going to see changes. Why should I vote? Look at 2016. People say, oh, this would never happen. Hillary, Hillary Clinton won. She had the popular vote. And what happened? Right. And you know what? You bring up a good point, Jane, because, you know, there are a lot of people, I think after the ruling, there are plenty of people saying, oh, you see all the people who didn't vote in 2016, you know, this is what happened because Trump was able to appoint all of these conservative justices on the Supreme Court. But what people fail to realize is Hillary Clinton, like you said, won the popular vote in 2016. But it's the Electoral College that, you know, she lost this very murky, hidden system mm-hmm. um, that put Trump into, into office. So you, you're starting to see people having less and less faith in this quote unquote American democratic system that, oh, yeah, you know, you should vote. Because I do believe that people should vote in local and state elections because they're a little bit more direct. Mm-hmm. But as far as presidential elections every four years, when I mean the electoral college could swing over the popular vote, it makes people not even want to participate because this is what happens. The Supreme Court justices, right? These are individuals who serve for life terms or until they retire. So these individuals on the court, they're going to be making decisions for the next 25, 30 years to come. People think that the Trump administration, you know, ended in 2021, but his influence is going to continue impacting America for the next, what, 20-something years, 30 years, if not longer? Yeah. So another thing that 
makes people so upset. There's a lot of people out there who love to say, oh, we don't need to give handouts to Americans and, and people need to pull up their bootstraps. And if you took out the loans, then you need to pay it back. Well, what about the $77 billion that has been given to the Ukraine between January of 2022 and February of this past year? Or the somehow missing $6.5 billion that the Pentagon claimed they don't know how Ukraine <laughs> received it that was sent a few months ago. Matter of fact, we spend $800 billion in one year for defense and military spending in this country. But when it comes to alleviating and helping out the everyday American who most of whom are taxpayers, income tax, when you go to the grocery store, you pay tax. When you buy gas, you pay tax. When you buy anything in this country, mm -hmm. you pay tax for the most part. But for them, no. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll keep on marching and talking. Jane, do you want to get some advice for like those who are um, going to college now? And, oh, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. If you, if you're, for instance, if you're going to the community college, I have nothing wrong with community college. I'm a community college baby. I did before I transferred to a four-year. If you don't need the loans, do not take it. Please do not take it. They have different programs on campus like TRIO, EOP, different resources that you can have. Um, they'll give you assistance on buying books or other resources that you actually need. If you don't need if you don't need the loan, please do not take it out. Wait for a four year when it actually matters because it's a little bit costly. We go to a four year. When you reach the four year, if you do not need it, please do not use it. I understand that check after everything is paid off, it looks very healthy. Mm -hmm. But if you don't need it, give it back. Do your best to give it back. That's very true. And because I've heard people out there saying, oh, these people who are taking student loans out, they shouldn't have taken more money than what they should have. Well, we need to start really teaching kids in school the importance of financial discipline. And especially those who don't come from families where this is not taught. Because remember, these are 17, 18, 19-year-olds, fresh high school grads who are going to college and signing loans who don't really understand a lot of times the seriousness of that money. That is not free money to spend. That is money for your education. I know that refund check be looking so good <laughs> at the cashier's office. <laughs> uh, it, it really does. But um, it's so important that they understand the risks that they're getting into uh, because, again, they have to pay that money back. That's mm -hmm. not money that you get to sit on, on and enjoy while you're in school. No, that's money that you do have to give back. Um, and so we have to be wise with it. And then another thing I do want to say before we move on, Jane, is we need to start creating programs that enrich children to go into fields that will actually benefit the investment cost to ratio of going to college. And what I mean by that is we're living in a changing global economy. Many of the jobs are going to be in tech, in engineering. In, in the STEM, we need more black and brown people. We need more women, especially in fields like engineering where it's dominated by men and it's dominated by men who are not of color. 
And so these are the jobs that are going to be able to pay sustainable salaries and wages. And even besides going to college, you know, we need to also teach people um, young to open up your own business, entrepreneurship opportunities, because college is not the only way to success. And that was the, the mantra that was taught to, you know, our generation, you know, those who grew up in the 2000s and so on, you know, and before that, oh, you have to go to college in order to be successful. But there are other ways to make a comfortable living without having to dive into student loan debt. Because a lot of times, these some people, their student loans, man. Yeah, it's spicy. Mm-hmm. So that moves us along to affirmative action. Oh, child. So the Supreme Court also ruled uh, that Harvard and the University of North Carolina violated the 14th Amendment of the Constitution by considering race in their admissions. And so now colleges and universities um, across the country can no longer take race into consideration for granting admission. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Some people ask, what is, matter of fact, I'm going to ask you, James, can you define what affirmative action is? Because there are some people out there who may not know or understand what it actually is. The definition I have here for affirmative action is a policy aimed to increase workplace and education opportunity for disadvantaged groups in society. Mm. And so that long term, everyone has more equitable access to the same opportunities that weren't always there for those who have been historically disadvantaged. Now, speaking of affirmative action and who voted against it, your uncle, no, my uncle. Clarence Thomas, Uncle Ruckus. Coon. Coon. Self hating. Um, despicable. Clarence Thomas was very vocal about his stance against affirmative action, even though he strongly benefited from all of the assistance sure did. that he received over the past 50, 60 years. Um, that has led him to the Supreme Court. You know what? Let's take a dive into Clarence Thomas's background. He was born in 1948 in Georgia. What was going on in 1948 in Georgia? Lynching, the mm. Jim Crow. Mm. There's a lot going on. You can't even say hi to a white man and be safe over there. That was mm. going on in his neighborhood. Well, mm. I should say during his time. Well, you know, you're right. In his neighborhood and during that time, um, he was born near the Gullah Geechee Islands. And actually, uh, Clarence Thomas couldn't speak the English language until age seven. He spoke Gullah Geechee until, um, until that age. He was blessed to be taken from where he was born in the Gullah Geechee region where opportunity was very low, especially in 1948 in Georgia, to now sitting on the highest court of the land. And all of the black people who supported you, not even just the black people, all the this people in general who supported your ascension to the Supreme Court to succeed the very great Thurgood Marshall, who, if y'all don't know, was the first black Supreme Court justice in this country, you succeeded his seat. On top of that, I'm all sorry. those scandals, 
He has some scandals on his belt too. Mm, the ironies heal. Mm-hmm. Right, sexual misconduct, his wife's involvement in the, the Capitol thug riots in 2021. The terrorist group. So, but this is the same individual who's so vocal, right? About affirmative action and it being racist when you were born at a very racist time in a very racist region in a very racist society and you stripped the very thing that gave a little bit more equity to those who come from similar backgrounds as us how dare you clarence thomas i'm sorry uncle ruckus Well, it goes back to our, our mantra. It'd it be your own people. Mm. It'd be your own people. It'd be your own people. It's sad. Like, you literally closed the doors on so many people that this opportunity to really put them, give them that foot they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting, Jane, is so the, the cases against affirmative action was led by conservative activist Ed Blum who is white, um, but the argument was that Harvard and the University of North Carolina, their policies discriminate against Asians. Mm -hmm. However, no Asian American students came forward to testify to having experienced discrimination being represented by Ed Blum. And so what we see here is the small number of Asian American students who were vocal against affirmative action were used as proxies mm-hmm. to say that the entire group or that the majority of Asian Americans were against affirmative action. And that's not true. Using them as, as we pawns. See, using them as pawns. And again, further dividing other people now, because what that does is now it makes other minority groups, other disadvantaged groups blame unfairly Asian Americans for why affirmative action has been um, taken away yeah just divide the groups that's what it is it's funny how we knock down affirmative action but what about legacy emissions you got people who get in on based on their parents working there or people who donate to the school they get in no one's talking about that in the supreme court that's a very unfair advantage for a lot of kids especially minorities because we know the race didn't start we didn't start the race the same time well, white folks are they race. So we're even farther back. And you brought up, I know in one of our discussions, you brought up the military. Sure is. So it's okay for us to take away affirmative action in schools when it comes to sending people on the front lines to die, potentially die for this country. Oh, 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 affirmative no, action is just fine. Right, yeah, you, you, you good to go. It, it, it sucks. I'm not dissing the military. If that's your um your direction you want to go to, I support you 100%. But I think it's, it's ridiculous that that's not even taken away in the military. It's kind of odd. Well, I mean, it's not odd. It's, it's clear. It tells us that it's okay for minorities and historically disadvantaged groups to put their lives on the line and risk, you know, injury, risk their lives to defend this country. But when it comes to actually getting an education so they can further themselves in life, oh, no, no, that, that, that's not okay. We also forget that affirmative action has benefited who mostly? White women. Mm. Do tell. Right. Go ahead. 
well, we think about it was put in place to give them a, at least a, a heads up in life. When you think about the opportunities going way back, women didn't have rights. So like, let's give them some rights, but we're going to give white women rights, not everybody. So that let the open the doors for others to get a piece of the pie. But in general, farming actually doesn't really help that much when it comes to minorities. Look at the Ivy League school. If you look at all top of them, majority of brown and black kids is about like five or six percent that get in. That's a very small percentage when you compare it to the larger audience. Mm -hmm. And many of these schools, at least the admissions rate, are not on par with the at least demographic uh, population rate of those entirely in the country. I mean, let's take California for example. So. Some of y'all may not know, but California actually banned affirmative action 26 years ago, 1996. It was called the um, Proposition 209. And people ask, okay, well, since affirmative action hasn't been legal in California since then, what has diversity looked like in California public universities and schools? And school officials have said that they haven't been able to meet diversity uh, and equity goals, despite half a billion dollars being spent on outreach and alternative admissions standards. And so uh, I think the UC chancellors also sent, at least in relation to this case, before the ruling was made, they sent an amicus brief or a written statement um, by outside individuals who have expertise to offer um, when... Right, mm -hmm. right, when making um, a decision here, they said race-neutral admissions programs have enabled uh, the University of California to make significant gains in its system-wide diversity, yet despite extensive efforts, the UC struggles to enroll a student body that is sufficiently racially diverse to attain the educational benefits of diversity. Uh, especially at the most selective schools. We're talking about UCLA. Berkeley. Um, right, UC Berkeley. Top campuses in the UC system are not as diverse as they could be. And so now, since affirmative action is illegal in admissions, we're going to see a noticeable drop oh, yes. in diversity. The CSUs, you also see a drop in diversity admissions there too. So it's going to, across the boards in California that you see a drop in diversity. Mm -hmm. Back to the UC system, they do retain somewhat diversity, but it does, like you said before, does not always reflect the state demographics. For example, Latinos, they make up 40% of California's population. However, only 20% um, are enrolled in UC schools. That's a huge disparity there. Um, affirmative action allowed for people who grew up in communities where resources were not there, who went to schools mm -hmm. and had to overcome certain barriers in addition to their own family um, and ethnic barriers, uh, we've seen how they've been able to make a positive influence in society. Look at Michelle Obama. She was vocal about how affirmative action benefited her. And mind you, she accomplished a lot even before marrying Barack Obama and becoming first lady of the United States. Uh, Joy Reid on MSNBC, she mentioned how, you know, her, uh, how affirmative action benefited her. And now uh, she uh, has made a, a wonderful career in journalism. Right, she has journalism. a powerful voice in journalism. Right, a very influential career in journalism. Her classmate, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, right? 
affirmative action also played a role in her ascension into now being on the highest court of the land, similar to Clarence Thomas. So for all of these people saying affirmative action just, you know, just puts anybody in the system. No, you also, you have to have. You got to put the work you in. Have, right. You have to put the work in. You get to be smart. They don't just choose anybody who's black and brown or any woman just to put them up there to uh, put them against anybody who's white. But you have to show the, the ability to be able to be in a challenging school system. But um, again, there's a lot of people who are vocal against it besides Clarence Thomas, your girl, Candace Owens. Why? Everybody's not my family. That's the, that, <laughs> I don't own that woman. She, I don't know what to say about her, but you know, she's, she's one of the lost souls, but she also made a comment about Michelle Obama, basically telling her to hush oh, your mouth. Did? Yeah. She basically said, I, this is not from word from word, but basically she had a rebuttal to Michelle's tweet when she was talking about affirmative action in the ruling. She was like, basically, I don't know why you talking. Isn't your daughter one of those people who got into the school based on your names? But some people say it's true, but they also put in the work. People feel like if you apply, you get in. That's not true. You have to put in the work. If that's the case, I should have went in. Hmm. Not me, but I know I didn't have the work. To, I don't have the, the grades to get into that type of establishment. So I'm going to stay in my lane. But in, in all in all, <laughs> just being honest, I'm going to save my leg. But all in all, I don't like how people bash people who are saying that, oh, you're only in this position because from action. Okay, from action gave me a little crumb, but all in all, I put the work in. I put my the blood and sweat and tears up night studying, doing extra critique, I mean, extra activities to make me stand out, uh, to make me stand out compared to my other people who are applying. So and I even, think and even and even besides that, sometimes mm -hmm. without you know the assistance of tutors and because remember these are things that people who are more privileged are able to access yeah. and sometimes going to schools where the books are not as new the resources are not as readily available who still are able to overcome those barriers because one thing we forget jane is let's 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 move away from public schools and universities the very public school system so elementary, middle, and high school system, many times in plenty of states across this country, is very divided. For instance, you know, I grew up in New York, right? But I had to go to the school that was zoned in my zip code. Even though I lived in the city and I should have been able to go to any school of my choice across that city since my parents' taxes paid for things across that city, I was zoned to the school in my zip code, which wasn't really a good school. And we had to do some, well, I don't know if I should, yeah. well, you know what? I want to say it because I, hey, I, I, hey I, you, got, you did what you got to do. Right. You did what you got to do. Know, but we, we, we had to use a, a, a false address in order for me to go to uh, the school across town because, again, the school near me didn't have the resources, didn't have as qualified teachers, you mm -hmm. know, didn't have the same funding that the schools across town. So when you look at that disparity of the kids who go to, yeah, the high income zip code school versus the low income zip code school, who has, who has the upper hand? Mm -hmm. Even though these kids might be equally, if not more smart than the other kids who go to the high income schools. So all those people saying that, oh, affirmative action is racist, 
guess what? America was built on the very concept of race. Matter of fact, America reinforces race every single day. And it's becoming even more difficult because we live in a society that race is not as, um, I mean, blatant to see, mm -hmm. which makes it more difficult to tackle because now it's, it's the invisible racism, the unconscious racism as well, that makes it difficult for people to, to be able to become successful in this world or in this society. Right. Well, those are all, we just gotta, like I said, we gotta do our best. Um, I don't say put your heads down, don't put your head down, keep your head high. As everything, we always gonna find a way to, to get in these spaces. When, when one door closes, another one's gonna open. You know, they always say, when life give you lemons, make some lemonade. And Donnell writes on TikTok, he put it perfectly. He said, race is a card that white people use all the time and never gets declined. And again, this is not an attack on all white people individually, but we know that if you are white in this country, you do have a privilege because of the creation and standing of this society. And that's something that no one really can deny. If you deny that, you are in serious denial of what of the threat that America runs on. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, do you have anything else to say? I know this is a this is a, a very tough. Lindsay topic a very lengthy topic i mean stick to what you guys are already doing um don't change for no one keep on pushing you'll get there sure i think we can close it out after that you want to go ahead and and, and lead our closing oh <laughs> uh, yes you know <laughs> help this well mm. don't be surprised to be your own people uh coon thomas coon uncle ruckus <laughs> dream big and this is black coffee everyone this is black coffee we love you and we will see you next time bye everyone. Oh, baby,